You're listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. In this week's episode, you're going to be hearing an interview between IATP's Shafali Sharma and Andre Campos of Reporter Brazil, discussing the new report released by IATP, FAS, and the Heinrich Bull Foundation called The Rise of Big Meat, Brazil's Extractive Industry. The report was based on an earlier report released by Reporter Brazil in Portuguese in 2015. Hi, I'm Shafali Sharma with the IATP based in Berlin. Um, I'm very pleased today to have Andre Campos of Reporter Brazil with me on the podcast. Um, Andre and his team in Reporter Brazil have been doing uh, work since 2001 looking at uh, slavery in Brazil. And IATP has been looking at uh, the meat industry and in particular the global meat complex, uh, which is the, the conglomeration of uh, the big meat uh, companies like JBS, uh, BRF, Marfrig, but also U.S. companies like Tyson and Cargill and uh, companies that are now officially headquartered in China, how they basically shape uh, resource use, how they shape the pricing of, of grains and the, the movement of grains around the world, but also what impacts then this has on environmental and um, social uh, uh, justice issues and economic issues, obviously. Um, IATP did a China series on the global meat complex a few years ago, and one of the reports that we presented was called The Need for Feed. China's need for soybeans uh, expanded exponentially in the 2000s, and that brings us very concretely to Brazil, because Brazil provided most of that demand. And what we saw was a dramatic rise in exports to China, but also massive deforestation and massive conversion of uh, the Cerrado to soy plantations. And um, since then, there have been various efforts to try to, to control this. And we realized then that it's important to look at Brazil. And uh, we've just launched our new report on Brazil's rise in the meat complex and we've called it deliberately the extractive industry because I think in some ways we can really look at this global meat complex as as an extractive industry because of its significant environmental impacts and human rights impacts uh, which have usually been associated with mining companies. Um, the extraction of land, the extraction of water, the extraction of our natural assets and also uh, human capital and uh, human dignity, I think is a key issue here. Uh, today, Brazil is the number one exporter of soy, the number one exporter of beef, the number one exporter of poultry, the number two exporter of maize in the world and number four exporter of pork in the world. And not only does this disadvantage Brazil overall as a nation, because these are all commodities that are not value added. They are um, basically dependent on land use and natural resources in Brazil. And Brazil, um, you know, is endowed with one of the most important uh, ecosystems in the world, the Amazon, which 
not only the the changing climate in the Amazon, not only does it affect obviously Brazilians, um, as we've seen with severe drought in the last few years, but it obviously also impacts the whole world because in many ways the Amazon and the carbon it absorbs and the, the management of moisture impacts significantly how we are able to control temperatures. So yes, for, so for climate change and how quickly global temperatures rise, this region is, is uh, very important. And what has happened in the last few years we've seen with these rising trends is that uh, Brazil has reversed its uh, deforestation rate, right? They were uh, declining sharply uh, over many years, but now they're rising again in the last few years. And, and that's highly problematic uh, for Brazilians and the rest of the world. Um, so we go into all of this in our report, uh, but I think what is frequently not talked about very much when we talk about this industry and of course this year in particular has been a very big year for the brazilian meat industry because jbs which has been by far the largest uh producer and processor in the world has been in headlines and as well as brf which is one of the other uh largest brazilian companies um Earlier in the spring, they were in the spotlight because rotted, rotting meat was exported to Europe, to the US, to China. And this was because bribes were paid to food safety officials um, because basically they wanted to get this meat out and still be put on the market even though it had not been properly handled. So there was cardboard and chemicals put to disguise it. So they were under scrutiny then, but just as that was happening, uh, the corruption scandal broke out whereby it was found that the two CEOs of JBS, uh, Josely and Wesley Batista, had bribed over 1,900 officials over uh, a decade. And, and they were actually arrested at, um, in September of this year because even while this was going on and they were trying to make a deal with the independent prosecutor, they were doing insider trading <laughs> of their shares. Um, so it's really phenomenal what's happened. Um, but why we have Andre here is because not only has, has there been corruption, not only are there severe environmental implications, but there are severe human rights implications to this industry. And one of them include slavery and the use of modern slavery in the production process. And it's really important to understand the people who are involved, both as producers, those on the ranches, and those who are in the processing field. And Andre, um, I would be very interested to talk to you about Reporter Brazil's um, findings when it comes to slavery, say, in the beef sector, for instance. What have you found? What do people not know about? Okay. Hi, Shafali. Thank you for this opportunity to talk about this. And, uh, well, when we talk about slavery and the meat uh, industry in Brazil, we are certainly talking about the, the sector uh, where this problem, modern slavery, is more present in the Brazilian society. Uh, we, we, Brazil has acknowledged the existence, officially acknowledged the existence of modern slavery in the country in 95, uh, 25 years ago. And since then, it was created a group of the government to inspect farms and release worker, workers. And this group has released around uh, 
50,000 workers since uh, in this past 25 years. From this total, something like one in three, 30 percent, like uh, were workers that were uh, laboring in in cattle ranches. So uh, it is the, the the single activity that employs more enslaved workers in Brazil. Uh, and uh, who who is this guy? This this worker that uh, is caught in the what we call the slave uh, chains uh, in this industry. Usually, uh, what's the most common scenario? It's a farm that's in the what we call the deforestation arch of Brazilian Amazon. Uh, places where the cattle farms are uh, just going now and starting their business. It's, just, it's like new farms being installed in the Amazon, and they need workers to to prepare the land for for the animals. You know, just uh, do you mean there. do you actually mean clearing new forest? Is that what exactly. you mean? Exactly. One one of the activities that um, uh, most employ enslaved workers in the cattle uh, range activity in Brazil is deforestment. It's, it's in legal deforestment most of the cases. Uh, cutting trees for the, for the cattle and also just after the trees are gone, there's a lot of activities uh, linked to just, you know, remove the soil and, and prepare for the animals to come. And usually these farms, they are pretty far away from any urban center uh they are inside of the forest and you have to take like migrant workers from other parts of Brazil to do just these jobs four five six eight months jobs of preparing this these farms so what usually happens is that you have this uh figure in the rural uh world in Brazil similar to a coyote something like this we call the Catus, and they go to the small villages of poor small villages in northeast of Brazil, in other parts of Brazil. They gather a group of workers, these poor workers, promising a good work with a good payment in 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 the Amazon for a certain certain period, some some months, and then they are brought to this place. And when they are there, they usually discover the situation is not like it was described. Uh, they they have to pay for their foods. They have no housing conditions in in, in these places, just uh, not access to water, and the the food is bought from the farmer usually in prices that are you know superior to the 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 ones that practice on the market. So this led to a typical you know debt bondage relation. And many times uh, you even have situations uh, where this relation evolves to uh, prohibition of the workers to leave. And even if they want to leave the farm, you have to imagine that they are, they are in the middle of the forest, 300, 400 kilometers away from any urban area. So the whole situation uh, created in this uh, recruitment systems uh, doesn't allow them to leave the jobs when they see the situation is not like the one that was promised. So that's pretty much the scenario. 
And and who? What is the background of these people? I and mean, where do they come from? Usually, is there any kind of a typical profile of who these people are that are are caught in this trap? Yeah, this this guys usually the profile is uh, poor workers in small cities of northeast of Brazil, which is the poor poor area poorest area in Brazil. Uh, uneducated workers, young males. Uh, young men's uh, that's pretty much the 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 face of of these workers uh, of course you have also uh, uh, women sometimes uh, which are that are brought to this environments to work for example as cookers and uh, other jobs that are related to the everyday life in these places and also you have a racial uh, uh, aspect of this that is clear and very important uh, most of the people that are found in situation of modern slave in brazil they are uh, black people they are uh, <clears throat> people with mixed race and uh, it's just like poor uh, black people male young white and with a low level of education that's uh thank you for that um you know there's also uh you know uh, a, a significant rise in poultry exports in from brazil and um it's particularly in the last many years and you guys have also looked into modern slavery uh practices in the poultry chain can you talk a bit more about that you you refer to them as poultry catchers and what does that mean exactly yeah this is a job that many people don't even know that exists, right? But it's an important thing where, you know, how, how the chickens get to the, the meatpacking plants, you know, from the, the, the chicken houses to the meatpacking plants. There is a guy, a group of guys that just go inside of the, the, the chicken houses, right? And uh, take the, the, these animals one by one and put in some boxes and put these boxes inside of the truck that's going to bring them to the slaughtering house. Uh, you, you have to imagine that a chicken house usually have uh, 10,000, 15,000 uh, chickens inside and a group of 10 workers just load all these animals in into boxes and put the boxes on the trucks in something like one hour and usually this group of workers do something like uh four or five maybe six depending of the on, on the company the condition uh chicken farms per day one very distance from the other so it's it's a it's a very intense worker in usually one of the biggest issues in this work is just excessive long hours. Uh, these guys, they, they just enter in a minivan, go to a chicken farm, then do the job, go to another one, do the job. And they do this subsequently many times, uh, depending on the, the region, depending on the, the contracted company. You, you have even situations where these guys work for more than just stay one day, two days, three days in the hole inside of these minivans, just eating in the van, sleeping in the van from one chicken house to the other. And uh, 
it's an outsourced job, right? These workers are not hired by the slaughterhouses, although they, their work is totally dependent on the slaughterhouses. It's determ determined that the schedule of what they do is determ determined by the slaughterhouses, but it's another company that's, that is hired by, by the, the meatpacking plant to hire the, the workers. And uh, so it's very precarious because when, when, when uh, there are problems, it, it's, it's hard to help the meatpacking companies that are the companies who have the power to make a change liable by the conditions of these workers. And also again, it's, it's very common to have migrant workers uh, from poor parts of Brazil that are recruited to do this kind of jobs. Uh, again, the same profile, we're talking about uh, young guys with poor education and uh, usually they are men, it's a, it's a very demanding, physically demanding job, so they prefer to, to hire men. And it's a worker that in the long, long, long run, he's going to have a lot of health issues because you can imagine how intense it is to just take it, uh, go down and take a, many chickens in a very intense space, put in some boxes, and these boxes have a lot, something like 10 to 15 chickens. They are very heavy boxes that you have to lift this box, put on the, on the, the truck, and then doing this many times with no rest, Sunday to Sunday. Uh, during, you, you just managed to do it for some years, right? And after no more than 10, 15 years, you're pretty much done for this kind of physically demanding job, which, is our, which are the jobs that are available for this kind of people in Brazil. Yeah, I read a book recently which talked about try, try catching one chicken by yourself and see how energy intensive it is and whether you can actually catch that chicken. I cannot imagine a, a place full of chickens where you're running around trying to grab one and with, you know, dying chickens in the process as well. Um, what is the Brazilian government's response and to what extent do Brazilians know about this? Now, this is something clearly that um, consumers of poultry, uh, you know, processed by JBS or BRF or Marfrig um, do not know about. Uh, in the United States or the European Union um, or anywhere else in the world. But how much do Brazilians know about this? Because I know that there has been a, a demand for animal welfare and even announcements by some of these companies to say that they will not use battery cages for chickens anymore. Um, to what extent do Brazilians know about the treatment of human beings in this chain? Yeah, of course, uh, it's a still an issue uh, that, and uh, there is, you can't you can deny that there's a growing concern from part of the society about uh, uh, how the workers are being treated in this supply chain. Uh, it's, uh, we, we have seen in the past years, the creation uh, and increasement of labor inspection, but it's still far from enough uh, far from you know supplying uh, the need of inspection that we have, we have uh, estimations in Brazil that just one in three of every situation that that is really reported to the, the inspectors, uh, the to to the authorities uh, of of alleged modern slavery is actually inspected. Uh, people go to the field to check it. So. Uh, 
usually you, you, people count with the lack of inspection just to keep things going as they are. And the meat industry in Brazil has have been grown a lot in past years, and uh, it's it's growing power. And also you have a, a lot of you know marketing for the Brazilian meat going on today in the inside of Brazilian society. A lot of money being spent just saying uh, how nice, how good, uh, how important for the whole society is our is our meat industry. So you also have this communication battles uh, about it. And many times uh, just we see the rise of this kind of speech in Brazil, this kind of line of reasoning saying that people talk to about human rights and human rights might just, uh, you know, undermine the economic, economic competitivity of our industries in the global markets and can be used by you know international markets just to boycott products not by humanitarian reasons but but by but by market reasons so it's hard to discuss these problems today in Brazil because you have this counter speech that's being used to to, to undermine you know advances in human rights um Andre, thank you so much. You know, there's so much more that we can talk about in terms of abuses with this industry. And, uh, but maybe so you could take a few more minutes and, and talk about um, what you guys learned in terms of the meat processing industry. That's where you guys first started. And unfortunately, this is, this is something that is not uncommon in the United States or in the EU. The meat processing industry is, is quite famous already for labor violations, long working hours. We found something, you know, recently uh, in the past year about uh, workers in the U.S. having to wear diapers because they couldn't actually take any breaks. Um, and, you know, workers coming from Eastern Europe to plants in uh, Germany, uh, you know, that earn basically two euros an hour because they get their lodging deducted, their uniforms deducted and everything else. So it's, it, but what does that look like in Brazil? Can you tell us? And has there been any improvement at all in that situation? Yeah, I think the scenario uh, you just mentioned is pretty much uh, the same we have here in Brazil. It's a, it's a industry that uh, had a lot of health issues going on. Uh, it's it's an assembling line, right? Uh, it, it's a disassembling line. In fact, you know, you just just dismounting the, the animals. But uh, as all this kind of all type of assembly line, uh, you have a lot of repetitive strain injuries uh, going on, and this is it is a big reality here in in the meat industry, which has a lot of women also in in the meat industry working in these plants here in Brazil. And uh, <clears throat> the, the average, the, the, the stats of uh, injuries, accidents, and, and leaves, you know, sick leaves in these industries in Brazil are far bigger than the average. You know, uh, the, the, the index is, 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 uh, is, is problematic, very problematic. What happens, we had some event advances in the past years. One important thing that happened in 2013 was the approval of a legislation that just creates some stops 
you know uh, during the work working hours something like uh, you work for 50 minutes then you stop for 10 just to recover your muscles in these lines and uh, this was an advance something that was important but at the same time what was the response from the companies to this you start to hear all these reporters from from workers that they were just you know increasing the pace of the, the the lines so you have to do more uh, be more dynamic of the work at this 50 minutes that you were working it that's how they compensate the, the loss of productivity in the spirit so you know every solution brings a new challenge it's always like this and right now what people are trying to do the unions and all the discussions is just to create you know control mechanisms to avoid this increasement of pace this is the dispute going on right right now in brazil this is also the dispute going on in the united states <laughs> um and of course it's also the same industries involved in the united states as well as brazil i mean jbs is a very big um uh i don't know market uh corporation that dominates the poultry sector as well and but it's not just jbs it's also tyson it's also the other u.s based companies um, can you tell us, can you give us a sense of what the brands are behind these for those listening in the United States, for instance, or Europe, um, for JBS or BRF? Do you know of any particular brands that in particular use slave labor? Sorry, Chef, you mean brands from these companies that uh, are being sold uh, in the international market? Yes, exactly, because often it's not listed on the packaging when a consumer buys that it's JBS or BRF, if it's another brand name. And do you, can you give us a sense of what those brands are like, for instance, first in the United States and then some in the EU? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah, when we take the Brazilian meat in the international market, usually the, uh, it's not sold as a, a Brazilian brand. Uh, uh, what happens that's very common, it's the most common thing. You have, you know, uh, European companies, European, Food companies, uh, U.S. food companies, they, they just buy the meat, but they sell through their own brands. And for example, in the U.S., uh, one one thing that is important, uh, in uh, one one type of meat that is sold that contains meat from Brazil is corned beef. And we we, we know that, for example, we have supermarkets uh, which sell corned beef through their own brands, private label brands mm -hmm. that con containing meat from Brazil. Uh, right now, this changes a lot. It's a very dynamic uh, market of uh, supplying market. Uh, but we, we had in the past, for example, Costco, I remember sometime using Marfrit uh, meat. Uh, right now, I don't know exactly what is the scenario. When you go to 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 the, to Europe, it's the same. You have private label uh, meat and uh, also corned beef, using Brazilian beef, uh, being being sold in the supermarkets. Uh, that's that's where you are going to find, not not as a Brazilian brand usually, but inside of the own European and U.S. brands that you know but contain this Brazilian meat. And we will definitely be bringing this whole issue up about, um, you know, consumer campaigns and just campaigns in the U.S. and EU around these issues. 
in, a, in another upcoming webinar, actually. And uh, so stay tuned for that. But uh, for now, I just want to really thank you, Andre, for your time and, uh, and for all the hard work you've done uncovering this problem in Brazil and educating the rest of us around the world. Thank you very much. Thank you, Shefali. I appreciate the opportunity of talking about all the challenges that we still have on, on the supply chain here in Brazil. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and, and in my concluding remarks, um, yes, we are singling out Brazil as one key uh, country because it's one of the largest producers. But I, I, I definitely want to underline the fact that these problems um, are also there in the United States. These problems are there in the European Union which of course also imports a lot of feed from Brazil and from Argentina. And so it's a connected, uh, it's a connected global value chain. And so what happens in Brazil, what happens in China, what happens in the US and the EU affects all of us on this planet. And we will have lots more to say to, about that in our webinars that are to come. Thanks very much. You've been listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. For more information about the work that we do, including how to read the report on Brazil, you can visit our website at www.iatp.org. Thanks for listening.